We trust that this conversation you were just a part of today on our podcast would really empower you in your sphere of influence to continue to strengthen your gorgeous, brilliant, phenomenal feminine voice and strength that you have to offer your spheres of influence. We are so excited about launching Gather Voices coaching cohort for summer all the way through to the rest of 2021 to really continue to coach and champion the female voice in the church and across our nation of Canada. Why don't you consider jumping on our wait list, looking at the information, praying into whether this is your time to take the next step and really continue to grow with your revelation that you beautiful woman of God have an opportunity to use your voice for the sake of the kingdom in new ways in new arenas maybe for the first time or maybe it's whole new levels of influence that you are believing God is entrusting you with in this season seriously girls revival will only happen when the female church awakens to usher in humanity's welcome home with your voice and your presence. So why don't you look at stepping into, investing into this space called Gather Voices with us for a six-month journey. Phenomenal guest uh, coaches are coming on, guest equippers. You're going to meet incredible girls across our nation online from wherever you are so that all different parts of this nation can be impacted with your voice. Consider joining us. Jump on to gatherwomen.com and have a look at all that is coming up in this movement that serves you and the call of God in your life. Well, hey, welcome to the Gather Influence podcast today. I'm Kathy Ostapchuk, and I will be co-hosting today's conversation with Jason Ballard with my co-host, Vanessa Hoyes. I'm particularly excited about this conversation because we are talking about the future of the flourishing church in Canada. And a lot of our conversation will be around, can the church actually flourish without the voices and presence and giftings of women actively participating alongside the guys. So if you don't know Jason already, you should. He's a pastor at a new church in Vancouver called The Way Church. And he's part of the team at Alpha and the Canadian Church Leaders Network, which helped create resources to serve the church in Canada and all around the world. He's also one of the hosts of the Youth Alpha Film Series, so you may have seen him there, and he's great at it. If you want to hear more from Jason Weekly, he hosts a podcast called the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast, which shares honest conversations to encourage the everyday church leader. Jason and his wife, Rachel, have three kids, Hudson, Mary, and Millie. And so we're also going to get Jason's perspective, not only on how the church can flourish, with women and men working alongside together, but what it's like to be, well, he's married to a woman and he's raising daughters. So he might have some personal insight into that as well. You will love this conversation. Why we're excited about it is because it takes both sides of the line in between (laughs) uh, men and women working together to have the church actually flourish. I always see it as a triangle and I talk a little bit about this in the podcast that it's not just the girls, it's not just the guys, it's the church. We all need to be talking together to see, okay, how do we make space? How do we make space 
for equity in the church? How is that going to actually help the church and not hurt the church, not only in these days, but in what will be the future of the church, not only in Canada, but everywhere. So we're going to talk about voice. We're going to have some fun. Jason's a fun guy. He's a young, fun guy. He's uh, very outgoing, but he's also so focused on the truth of God's word. And you're going to hear that in his biblical response to women leading, serving, and speaking in the church and also what they're doing at his church that he is pastoring at the way to encourage that. So hang on to your hats as we get into this podcast. You're going to love it. Um, You're going to want to listen to it maybe a few times and um, maybe make some of your own decisions about how you feel about if the church can really move forward without active participation of both men and women. Just having fun listening to this myself as I bring it to you today along with Vanessa on behalf of Gather and knowing that there's going to be some real uh, deposits put in your heart and in your life. If you're a female listening to this, you're going to be very encouraged. And if you're a male listening to this, and I hope you are, uh, you might be thinking about ways that you can make room in your sphere of influence for the female alongside you. Have a listen. Today, Vanessa Hoyes and I are co-hosting and we're so excited that we have Jason Ballard as our guest today in the flesh, for real, right here in the room with us. And this is a great day for us because we love these conversations about how the church can flourish, how the church of the future can flourish by females and males working together. And if we say church in the future, that may mean it may or may not be happening now. So we're going to dive into that a little bit more. So welcome, Jason. It is such an honor to be with the two of you and to everyone listening. I just, um, I'm really excited for the conversation. I feel like if I do my job, I hope that you guys will do a bit more talking than you might typically, because I feel like I can't fill the whole space. And so I saw some of the questions you want to ask. I just think you guys would be better equipped to answer these questions. So we'll see how it goes. If I do my job, I'm going to flip it back on you. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes from one podcaster to another. So (laughs) we're really happy to have you here. Not only the fact that you're male and that you're honoring us by being on this platform, but also for all of the things that you are humbly serving at in Canada across the landscape, you're doing amazing things. While so many of us have been tempted to just sit on the couch in our robes and eat chocolate with tangly earrings, Jason Ballard has been doing the thing, like serving the church and and using your voice and in so many ways. And so we're so honored that in the midst of that, you're taking time to be with us today. And I'm hoping that those of you that are listening, if you are female, that you'll share this uh, across your influence networks with, with the guys as well, because I think this is a conversation for everyone. Mm. So I've introduced you already. So people are coming in with sort of an understanding of the niche that you've been positioned in. And I'm just wondering if you would be so kind as to share something to our listeners that would surprise us or that we may not know mm. about you. Um, what could I tell you? I really, really, uh, the highlight of my day every day is like, Rach and I will watch like an episode of The Office every night almost and it's like 
this, the day's not done. And you know how, like, I want, I, I want to be a spiritual leader and, you know, in this spiritual formation tradition, there's something called the daily office. And I do the daily office. Like I try to pause in the day, reflect, be with God and I'll do, you know, prayer of examine, but I also have another daily office and forgive me if that's a, a sacred word, but for Rach and I, it's like a day is, is just a, a wrapped up really well. If we could just usually in bed, watch one episode and on one of our phones or something of the office. I know, again, like I'm supposed to be a good spiritual example. You're not supposed to have your phone, but like for us, that's it. So I don't know if anyone knows that. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Uh, we're not the only couple, but we just need Michael, Scott and Dwight and Jim and Pam just to help us wrap up the day. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I've never heard that <laughs> definition of the daily office because I, I try and do the prayer of examine, but I think, you know, if I'm, if I'm learning from you, your leadership, I might, I might switch that out. So it's thanks. kind of counter formation. I think in the formation counter formation, it's, it's an offsetting a little bit, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> well, I'd like to know, is that British office or American? Oh, that's a good office? question. You know, I know that I would seem more elevated if I said it's the British office, but it's only the American office. Like I'm, if something doesn't have like a good romantic subplot, I can't yeah. get through the whole thing. And so like the office, the American office delivers on that subplot. <laughs> it's true. The Brits are a little bit too ruthless with their endings, oh, right? So I just feel too uncomfortable. I know it's better, more <laughs> elevated humor, but I just, I'm just not too uncomfortable. <laughs> I think if all leaders were sharing what they were really watching, it would be a lot of surprises. But this is about you today, so. <laughs> well, we did introduce you in the bio, and um, this is Vanessa. It's so nice to be on with you both today. And um, what you're doing at The Way is is incredible and um is inspiring for all of us. I'm over here in Montreal. In fact, one of our best of our best is coming to you and to your church. And seriously, uh, yeah, she's led our worship for the last oh, few years. Amazing. So, anyway, so that's on the podcast. But anyway, so but um, we just such inspirational um, way God is moving in your community over there. So um, and I know it comes at a price and a cost. Just to lead at any level, particularly through this season. But for those that don't know you, you work with Alpha and the CCLN network now, which again is just so um, such a resource and really pouring in even on a social media level to all of us, um, believing right now for the perfect people to come into your program and yeah. all the rest of it. So, yeah. And so, but for those that may not know who you are, will you just tell us a little bit more about sure. those spaces and even yeah. what surprised you in that journey for you to be in those spaces right now? Yeah. So I studied business in my undergrad god grabbed hold of my heart in a really profound way when i was a teenager i grew up around christianity like really close my dad was in and out of ministry it was a really positive experience around church i made a decision that i decided uh, i was not going to follow jesus as a preteen and it was very real and i i uh i don't know how many preteen ministers are listening or parents of preteens but those are hard years and what was happening inside of me was like experiencing so much and not being able to reconcile it. I had so much hate, so much insecurity, felt un misunderstood at school, felt for, you know, like kids, even in the safest homes, don't always feel safe too. So all this going on, didn't want to be with Jesus. And then by God's grace, uh, I found myself in an environment where I heard the message of Jesus again, and the spirit grabbed hold of my heart. And then so all through high school, I found myself involved with like this, I was in a public high school prayer group, um, 
and doing like outreach. Like the reason why we did alpha was because I did something just like alpha with my friends in high school. So we just like do this discussion group after school with a video. Anyone have any questions? All, all questions are welcome. And that was so formative for me because I always felt like, um, sometimes I get asked to speak on evangelism. I like always want to say no to those invitations. because I feel like the worst evangelist ever. Um, I feel like now if somebody wanted me to speak on being a pastor, I feel, I feel the same way. I just feel like absolutely like the worst at it. Um, but I found myself in evangelistic environments. It was all through discussion. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can get up and just like tell my friends about Jesus in my school, but I could invite them into a conversation. And Alpha was a big part of that. And so all of these threads were going, but I didn't want to do ministry. I wanted to do, I wanted to start organizations and businesses with social good, um, but I wanted to like be a Christian in like a secular environment. But then I found myself in the middle of my undergraduate being like uh, making this, this wrestling with God and me realizing that all of my gifting is meant to be given to the local church in Canada. And that was a real wrestle. And so I really wanted to give some of my giftings to the local church and then the rest of my giftings into the secular context, which I think is really important because all the Christians work to the church. Then how would we make a difference in society? The church only works like I can only transform society if everyone's living on mission in every corner of society. Like that's how it works. In fact, I wish the best Christians, you know, we like, who's a good Christian. I wish the best Christians weren't clergy, but they were laity and they were like, so I wanted to do that. And, uh, but I kind of relented and I saw God move in my heart. And for me, it was always the church in Canada. It was always about this nation. It was always renewal in the church in Canada, transformation in the church in Canada reached the whole country. And strategically, I really believed it was local churches, um, in little communities, that is the only way for the kind of societal change that we need to have. And so I began to think, okay, how can we do this? And that's why I got involved with Alpha saying, okay, we can serve thousands of churches with a tool. But in my heart I, and in my life practice, always also working at a church. So for about 10 years, I was working with Alpha doing resources, but I always had um, a role in a local church. And, you know, some friends and I began to scheme years ago about what would it look like to, to see a church as like a hub of resource that it was like built from the ground up to incubate young leaders, men and women, uh, to build creative partnerships, to be trans-denominationals that can broker between different denominations. We'd be able to build this dream. And I found a few friends who share that passion in common as so we schemed together. And then we planted the Wade Church. And we'd planned like two years in advance to plant it in September, 2020 having no idea the implications of that. But I, I feel like, you know, when March, March of 2020 hit and everything shut down, we were in the middle of running an alpha and there's really great guests and we're having good food. It just felt like, oh man, this is so sad to shut everything down. But then it was like six hours into the next working day where we're like, well, we don't know how long this is going to last. Let's just get on with it. And we had the privilege of not having existing infrastructure and the privilege of not having, like for you, Vanessa, like you didn't have, like you weren't just starting from scratch. You had a church to pastor through that transition. What we had was a bunch of entrepreneurial young adults who are part of our launch team. And so they're like, we're up for anything. And so we, we had the opportunity this year to only exist online in a sense for a season. And now we have this really difficult challenge of trying to figure out how to do uh, church post COVID. So we planted September, 2020 and um, with the express purpose of being four other churches. And so CC line was actually planted side by side with the way as another vehicle to serve and support churches across Canada. And, um, and then in the city of Vancouver, partner with other churches. And so like one of the most exciting things that's been happening is there's this church that called us last July 
didn't have a pastor, was in a tough spot. So we said, okay, well, we have like an abundance of communicators. So we'll provide all your speaking for you. So we did speak, we did that for about six months. Along the way, they were like, oh, we need some advice and some coaching for how to navigate our church. And so we started working with their board. And then I think it's about two months ago now, they voted to become part of the way. And so I just came from the building working with the team there and some architects to figure out how do we like renovate this building so it can be another ministry hub in partnership with this 50 year old church called Sutherland, this beautiful congregation. There's about 50 people left in the congregation joining our young, uh, mostly young adults, mostly 20 somethings and 30 somethings. And it's beautiful. And that's just like one of the kind of different partnerships that's going on right now. So that's a bit of our world right now. We're trying to trying to reach the city of Vancouver and serve churches across Canada. Oh, that fills in so many gaps for how it all works together. Cause I think last time we talked, I asked you the question, don't people expect you just to be like, not just, but like, oh, you're a pastor. It's like, yeah, yeah. Ah, and, 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 and everyone's wired so differently. Like I read Eugene Peterson's the pastor, which is an amazing book. And I really believe that we need to have a, a really refined, um, working idea of what does it mean to be a pastor? Like it's important, but I also realized that like the way we're wired by God mm -hmm. informs the way in which we live into our calling. And so I planted with a team. And so I, I, I can do the shepherd pastor thing. Like I can be a nice, warm person to talk to, but I'm not the one uniquely gifted on our team to journey with people in that way. I'm not even the one most uniquely gifted on my team to teach the scriptures, although I can do that as well. I'm uniquely wired to help um, think through new strategies or to like, um, gather people around new ideas. And so I work with like a teaching team. You guys know, it's like Elita and Daryl and Jer and Chris, and we work together and it's a very meaningful complimentary gifts working together. And that was the most liberating thing was to read the pastor by Eugene Peterson and say, this convicts me and challenges me, but also to acknowledge I am not Eugene Peterson. And so he's like, he wouldn't do the things I I'm doing. Like, and there's other pastors that'd be like, Hey, like they don't even recognize some of my leadership approach. And I think I've just had to come to grips with it. I bet a lot of people listening, have felt like, man, I don't know what it looks like for me to be a minister in that capacity. Cause my wiring or instincts is so different. And there's a degree to which we need to be challenged, refined, have a working conviction, have input from more seasoned ministers, but also discover your unique, unique wiring. And that has been like the journey for me. And so I've just just had to admit to myself that this might not look as familiar to others, but then those who live closest to me hold me accountable to being grounded and rooted, um, that there's no dissonance between what's being experienced in this conversation and what's experienced in the day-to-day -day life of our community. And so it's that, that kind of unique tension that, that I think for us is a bit of a sweet spot. Yeah, I love that. As Vanessa would say, it's a grace zone that you live in because hmm. that area of unique ability where you know what you're wired for and what you can offer rather than letting everybody tell you, oh, you're a pastor or your visionary should look like mm. this. And that's totally our language at Gather. We totally believe in calling up the birthright gifts and giving so much empowerment and actually liberating, you know, females to discover that. And once having discovered it, strongly offer mm. it to the world. And that's something that we yeah. don't do well. We also don't make it safe for people to discover it. And so I think that's the biggest thing. Like, how do we help young? Oh, it doesn't have to be young, anyone, but it's ideal when you are young. And I feel like everyone deserves the opportunity to stumble around into finding their unique. 
because your character's growing, your competencies, your understanding, and then your interior world's developing in terms of like, as you're processing your own internal world. And um, I really feel like I stumbled around. Like one of the most profound things for me is like, I was meant like my youth pastor, Ben was incredible. So when I was 16, he was like a local like youth speaker. So he would like a great youth pastor, but he would go to all these other youth groups and he would bring me along and he would literally talk for 10 minutes. And then he would go, and now Jason's going to come up and talk. And I would talk for five minutes. We wouldn't even coordinate it. Like I would just talk about something else. And then he would just clean up what I said afterwards. So he would like stitch it together somehow. Cause he's really clever that way. And, um, and what I realized in that process was like, he was helping give me opportunity to find my voice. I didn't know I was a speaker. He saw something in me and called it out. But then here's the thing for years, like I'm talking years, like till I was probably 25. Every time I was at an event, I acted like Ben. So Ben is the most extroverted lead the room guy in the lobby throwing a thousand high fives. Like it's not even his youth event. And he's like organizing like a cheer or something like that. Who does that? He's just a guest speaker. So I'm trying to live into that. And I would be exhausted and depressed. I'd be on the road. So depleted. So like, why am I a failure? Like, I don't even enjoy this. And what it was is I was trying to live into somebody else's gifting and grace zone, you said, but there's sort of this part of it. So like, but I'm so grateful for that season of being able to stumble around, like find my footing and then the courage to go, but I'm not like Ben. So I can't do it quite like that. And in our church right now, like this Sunday, this Sunday or next, it's always confusing because we're, we're filming it tomorrow. So maybe it's for the following Sunday. Um, Sarah King, who's a nurse in Vancouver is going to be doing our teaching on Sunday. And this will be her first time teaching in a Sunday gathering at the way. And she's going to do amazing. I have no doubt. And, and part of her journey though, is just getting enough reps. Like we see this gifting on her life. We didn't push it on her. We said like, are we, are we on the right track? Like, is this something you want? We work with her, but like, she's going to find her own voice and her first, second, third, fifth, a hundredth preach is going to still be that part of that journey of finding your voice. Like, my preaching early on was derivative of the people I listened to, you know, and then over time you find your voice. And so I just wonder what it looks like for people to have a safe enough environment. And man, if the local church could be safe and a couple friend groups for safe for people to discover their gifting and wiring and unique voice, man, that would move the dial a lot. Cause we're desperate for more mobilized people in the church. Like we're, if things are not looking good, like I'm full of hope for the future, but we're only going to turn the corner. If we see like the full body of Christ deployed, yeah. to dynamic mission in every corner of society. Yeah, I love that. That's a great, big, uh, big, hairy, audacious vision right there, but, but I resonate with that. So you talked about a few things. You talked about the importance of team. I remember once being at Erwin McManus's church. Uh, my son was there. He went to USC and we were down there and hanging out and, you know, realized like he was gifted for certain things, which are, is off the chart creativity, but his team you know, managed him and kept him on the ground and learned so much there. They were doing, um, they were doing personality profiles long before it ever became a cool thing. And so you talked about that importance of team, your squad, and then you talked about church, like in the same sentence, you talked about hope and you talked about maybe mm. a fear. So I guess with this sort of postmodern world, yeah, middle pandemic world, when the church you know, can't even be the church in the same way. And we see pastors either plateauing, burning mm -hmm. out, falling off the rails, walking away, deconstructing and taking a lot of followers with them. Mm. But we, I don't see a lot of 
pastors like flourishing and Mm. rising and increasing, you know, their impact. And so for you, my question is, what is the compelling thing about the church that not only you got called into it, but you're staying in it? Mm-hmm. And then are you wired to see more opportunities or mm. more threats? And that's a great question with us. Yeah. I, okay. My mood can get low. Like it takes me like hours to just rev up in the morning. Like if the day starts low, there's no hope. There's like, what am I doing? The children get me out of bed. Like, so I don't get to stay in bed, but if I didn't have children, I just park there. But if I'm healthy, And I mean that like spiritually, physically, relationally healthy. I'm really full of optimism, you know? Um, And I don't know, I was interested. I was listening to like a thing on spiritual gifts from someone I really trust, Canadian named John Thompson. And I think he's got incredible grounded teaching on this. Well, the convergence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you heard some of that, Vanessa? Yeah, we we took out all our interns through his course a few times. Yeah, it's super helpful. And he was telling, I heard him talking about like gifts of discernment. And I was asking him about, I'm like, Hey, like, tell me about this. And he, he was saying like, some people can discern when God's moving in the room. Some people can discern when there's demonic activity. I really believe in both, like to believe in one, you believe in the other, actually, like you can't believe in unseen realms and then anchor it in scripture and conclude that the spirits at work and then deny the fact that there's demonic principalities. That's the only way I can make sense of the city of Vancouver, the kind of evil going on there. Residential schools just talked about, like there are principalities and powers at work, Mm -hmm. but for me in my day-to-day, if I'm in like a church service, uh, some people will be like, oh man, that was heavy and dark in there. I'm like, no, man, I didn't, I didn't experience any of that. All I'm like, is like, oh, in this one moment, I felt like the spirit was moving. So I think I'm bent towards an optimism. Um, I think so. Uh, and I'm full of hope for the future of the church. I really am. Like I'm sincerely, uh, the the picture that's best explain it for me and, and forgive anyone that's heard me use it before is like, I feel like the accurate scene of the church in Canada is like a forest fire. Like, you know, post forest fire, it's like black and charred. Um, but then like, if you get up close to like where there's been a fire, there's all this budding of new life. Like that's how I perceive the church in Canada right now is like everywhere I look on the ground, there's incredible things happening. Like I'm talking to you, Vanessa, about what you and your husband are doing in Montreal. I'm like, my goodness, like if that can happen, like if two Aussies can move to the other side of the world and plant a church in Montreal and people will follow them and do, I mean, anything is possible. I'm so full of hope. God is so committed to building his church. But then if you look at the macro data, it doesn't look like that. Right. And I don't know if the macro data always tells the full story because you're tracking numbers. Um, and I think there's some parts, and I want to say this with, with real reverence. I think there's some parts of the Christian movement that need to reform and need to refine. And maybe that's part of what's happening, but I'm full of hope. The other thing is I'm really, I'm really uncomfortable with the amount of conversations about post COVID church. And I'll tell you why, and please forgive me, because I know there's a good, meaningful conversations and everyone should talk with their teams. But listen, for 2000 years, we've been doing church. And for a lot of those, there's been some music, some scripture readings, the Eucharist, some teaching, a homily, if you will. Um, And it made it through world wars and pandemics. So my hunch is when we gather again in person, we're going to do some scripture reading. We're going to share testimonies. We'll baptize people. We're going to marry people. We're going to bury people. We're going to sing songs together. We're going to open the Bible and God's going to build his church. So I don't know, online, offline, sure, whatever. Um, Let's do it all. Why not? Give it a go. People are like, maybe like, is it going to be completely different? I'm like, 
my hunch is that like we've always anyways i'll stop what do you think vanessa what do you think kathy am i making any sense i love it i i know uh, it's a bit cheeky i feel bad yeah. i've been a bit cheeky but i, no, I do no. mean it uh, yeah I, we're the same we're i mean that post-covid church and when people go can we do like when's church gonna start again we're like it hasn't stopped like it hasn't stopped totally it's, totally it, you know i keep saying when i see our friend you know young people on our church is full of young people too and like when I see them <laughs> sneaking out when they shouldn't through the pandemic or whatever I'm like texting them like this mother hen like go go be the church you know what I mean like sorry but you know like just you're being the church like that's church like that walk you just did that's mm. church right like mm. so yeah so I agreed it could just look you know same with it, it, things things will evolve they yeah. need to refine they need to evolve but i mean yeah. we've been singing songs doing sermons for a long time yeah. um and for you guys one of the things i was excited to chat about is like what do you guys feel like a pastor like me can do to empower women's voice more in my church like i know you guys wanted to ask me some questions like i have no advice <laughs> i just am really committed to it and there's little things we're trying to do i feel like like for one thing guys we, we launched this incubator program. We'll, we can talk about it later, but just to raise up young passion, the brief was simple, like 25 to 40 years old, leading a church, site pastor, or like in a senior leadership role. And um, to find a 30-year-old female in Canada who's leading a church or on the leadership team is really hard. They're out there. Uh, not all of them want to be in the program, but I love for the program to be 50-50. I'm aware that there's a pipeline issue. Um, is that appropriate to say, like, we've just, we are, there's they've been underdeveloped, un, not enough opportunities over enough years that now we're actually like, there's just a pipeline issue. There's not a shortage of women in the church. In fact, I think statistically there are a majority over men in the church, but in, in like full-time initiative, I'm like, so before, while I'm with you, you guys got to give me like some advice. What can I do? to help women feel safe, to use their gift, not just in ministry, but in all spheres of society. So what do you guys think? Give me at least four tips. Well, I remember once being with Aaron White, who's out in Vancouver, and we were talking about this. And he said, you know, whenever I'm asked to speak, I always ask the person asking, oh, have you asked a female first? So he, mm. he just makes room. He just steps right out. Wow. Because it, the reps are important, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. the reps. And in my experience, and I want to hear Vanessa's voice on this, raising four daughters, our biggest obstacle as a female leader is me, because confidence only comes from, mm. you know, doing a preach or a speak and getting healthy feedback. And if mm. I don't have that opportunity, I'm only thinking that my value is if I have a big platform and I can go out there and, you know, rock mm. it and it's all skewed what our message of our life is. So nobody really comes up to us and says, female or not, like, are you gifted? Yes, discover that. And your message is your life. And I want to invest in that. And I think mm. when male and female leaders invest in each other, that's magic. But mm. females have a lot of stuff to work through. And the church has a lot of stuff to work through. And men have a lot of stuff to work through because you can't reverse the trajectory, you know, of 
something that's been here since Eve, like how we silence mm. our voices, you know, when Adam was silent. We There's so much in our history and theologically that we've deferred to men, like you're the theologians, you figure out and tell us what to do instead of us opening the Bible, taking ownership, discovering our gifts, looking for opportunities, not being offended when we're not understood. So that's, hmm. that's a lot there, but I think we, oh, I so we are part that. of the triangle of interdependence and to mm -hmm. be interdependent means all three sides of the triangle have to be healthy. Hmm. So we're just working with the girls to say, let's create these safe, empowering environments, which I believe gather is. And so much of that is due to Vanessa as well. Like having coached like hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of, of youth, like up through the ranks and myself Amazing. as, you know, coach and I've coached pastor, senior, young, like for years with Crest leadership. I, I believe in all three sides of the triangle. So if you're asking, what can you do? Like just, just influence the guys on your watch. And then mm. what you're doing at the wave, you're already doing it. But Vanessa, I'd love to hear from you. What do you think, Vanessa? The question's the first start, right? Like the question, how? I think it's, uh, I, I, I love pastors that, leaders that are so much even just in that pastoral thing that you talked about before and gifting and strength. The city you're in, the context you're in, the, you know, who you are, who the team around you is. I think that's so important to go if if you have room to discover how to be uniquely you in your leadership, then you get to do that. It's nearly like I had to learn last year. I'm gonna just say something if like we'll decide, you know, but I had to learn last year through the um, race equity conversations. Genuinely, I learned last April to say I don't see the colour of your skin was actually really, really offensive to mm. uh, my friends of all different races. And they explained why, because they want, they actually need you to acknowledge, they, they love when you acknowledge it. They don't want you to not acknowledge it. They just don't want it to differentiate them in a way that is unequal, right? In like where, we, where you go after you've said that, right? The colour of your skin, dot, dot, dot. And I... I think about this a lot. I think you you are acknowledging the the second the the other part of God, his nature, mm -hmm. his character, but you need to acknowledge it as different, as you know, glorious, as as just the, who he is. And so we raise up a lot of women. We always have, we did come to this nation without probably that framework. And in fact, Kathy and I talk all the time. I actually say sorry because I was like, why why are we having these conversations because in my context we didn't need them like didn't mm. I from the day I met you Kathy why like what do you mean because I hadn't come from it it's not as relevant in Australia I mean it's still there and then in our local context it was who was the most gifted and talented gifted and called right but mm -hmm. what I noticed Andrew does is he acknowledges them as female. He acknowledges the leaders around them in their femaleness, in their strength of being female, in their, so it's still acknowledging, right, that um, you are female and you have this gift. You are female. And so he had to train our church here in Montreal 
And that's, I think, the thing I want to say is mm. he, as a leader, had to train the culture and make the whole culture safe for the woman on the platform, for the female to lead the males and females, for like he, we, mm. but he particularly gave real room for he was he's an eight on the Enneagram. His apostolic is his strongest. So if he saw anything less than the honor and the like that equal kind of he called it out. Hmm. And that wasn't easy and people left our church over it, but it made early days the culture of our house hmm. just not have to have that conversation. Hmm. So well, thanks for I, sharing all that. I know that some people want to take others on a journey, but we just felt we were shocked by it. And on reflection, we might not react as strongly as we react. Early, and we might not have lost as many people in those early days. But um, yeah, I just felt like that was an incredible thing to protect a culture early on. Mm. With, and so with platform preachers, just on that note, like you're giving these people a go, but as much as you're pouring into them, you, you're pouring into a congregation that's got to be okay with them when they're not amazing or when they're growing and when they're learning. And so you're as much coaching a, a congregation as you are the person as you're doing mm. that and in, in raising them, releasing them as well. So that's what I'm noticing is important. Mm. The, mm. Yeah. Oh, it's so helpful to hear all that. Mm -hmm. I did it. I got it. I got what I came for. <laughs> I wanted to hear you guys share. And so I got, I feel like I got, I wanted to get a, some nuggets out of the, out of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> it really matters to me. I think we live in this moment where it's like, it's so intense, the conversations via social media, but in a setting like this, like, I just want to talk to people who I know we have some shared goals we're learning different things. We're also coming from different denominations, different theological distinctives, different expressions, but really the, the, the goal in common to see people flourish in their giftings, in their wiring, all the things we've been talking about, but all the church, mm -hmm. you know, the whole church. And because the mission is so important, I just don't feel like we can afford to, to see anyone in our church family walking with a limp or feeling no. unseen or unheard. And that's, uh, a gender conversation. It's an age conversation. It's a yeah. race conversation. And um, I think all of those matter. And uh, yeah. Thanks, Jason. And on your context, like you've got two daughters, you've got an amazing wife. And so you've got lots of females in your world as well. Um, yeah. I think I would love to just ask you to speak into dreams you have for the church as they grow up mm. would be an amazing and secondly you touched on your journey um being a son of ministry like a son of ministry mm. I have four my second lets me tell her story but it's very we're talking like mental health psychiatry mm -hmm. all around abandonment all around people in and out of her world through church all around you know just that mm -hmm. relational mm -hmm. move everything but but um, I do think about what our dreams for that, our daughters mm -hmm. and what the church could look and feel like for their voice, for their place, right? Mm -hmm. um, so tell us a little bit about yours and then some of your dreams there. Well, I could talk about my wife, Rach, or Millie and Mary. So I've got three kids, Hudson, mm -hmm. who's uh, seven, turning eight, Mary, who just turned six and Millie, who'll turn four 
in a few weeks, which is really fun. And, um, you know, it's interesting, like, I, uh, I, I love being in ministry. Um, but I don't like have any dreams of my kids being in ministry. My dream is for them to love God, to love the local church, but just to like the thing, like the vibe, if that makes sense. Like I want them to love the church, but I don't, I don't care if they like the music style or my sermons. I want them to love God, know God. And, and I don't think anyone should want to be a pastor. It's the worst, but if you're called, you got to do it. Um, so I don't wish that for them. I wish them to find their calling. I want my girls to grow up in an environment and I'm really actually really grateful for it. Um, my work with Alpha was really profound. Shayla Visser is the national director of Alpha Canada. She's the best leader I've ever worked with, full stop. The very best leader. So for me, when I imagine leadership at its fullest capacity, like the person I have in my imagination is Shayla. Like she's so, and so for me, it's like, I want my girls to see that as a pathway but I also don't want them to feel like they have to be a leader like Shayla. Like, do you see the thing? It's like, part of me wants to like, and you, you guys correct me because I don't know how to raise daughters. And so I'm learning and my wife is very good at it. So she, and we do it together. Um, but I want them to know that anything's possible, but that they don't have to live into anyone else's shoes. Mm -hmm. And so I can see it already. Like I can see the way in which some of them are, are obviously leaders and others are uh, wired in different ways. There was a prophetic word over our daughter, Mary, when she was um, either just born or before she was born um, about ministry and her voice. And I just remember just being so moved by the word. And it was one of those things where I was at a church where you wouldn't expect a prophetic word. So, you know, it's a good one. And so it was like, I was speaking and they kind of like wrote a note and it was like, and I read and we, me and Rach prayed about it together and just felt like, we just submitted that to the Lord. We haven't, we're not going to like put that over Mary in a way like trajectory but man how exciting that would be for her voice to be heard and her to be brave one of the things we've loved about moving to vancouver i think that uh i'll say this first i think that work and money is an idol in this city um and so you see a lot of uh both parents working it's because of it's expensive city but you know uh, but you also see really creative households like where they're doing it differently and you see more dads that drop off and all this but one thing that you can't miss is that she keeps running into like more than we did in the suburbs, like Mary and Millie's like adult women in her life are like doctors, optometrists, lawyers, you know, and stay at home moms on purpose. Like the whole thing's there. And we kind of want to give that example of like, you can be a lawyer, an astronaut, a pastor, or stay at home to raise kids because what's, what's more important than raising kids. And you can like, like you're going to do that all. And then you're going to sacrifice like crazy for those you love the most and even let go of your dreams. But I like that to have this imagination um, around them. And so we talk a lot about that. And then I just try to, I just think a lot as I think about them growing up about how can I do my best to like audit my language. And I'm still working on my language. Like, cause I would, you know, even I say things like, you know, guys or man and all this, I'm like, I'm just so aware that my language is very male centric. And some of that stuff that like, I got to weed out doesn't refer to my heart. But, but, but when I think about the way I refer to professionals and the, even the content we take in or their exposure in ministry, I, I try to work really hard to help shape their imagination, even in the little things so that it's not informed by one type of picture for the future. That's very male driven per se. But I don't know. I'm just trying to cultivate their hearts, trying to make home a safe place, go after them. So I want that. Yeah. 
I'm done. Like they're so stinking. I'm done with my, like the kids are so beautiful. I just don't even know how to like, now I'm, now I'm thinking about Millie and Mary and we just got Millie's like preschool picture back. And I just like, couldn't work for like four hours yesterday. Cause I was just like looking at this photo. I'm like showing everyone <laughs> at the office. Like, are you seeing this? Are you seeing how cute she is? Like, what am I supposed to do? And so, um, sometimes, yeah, anyways, <laughs> Sorry, now, I'm, now I'm digressing. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm done. Like they're the, oh, so good. they're the, they're the best and they're in such a crazy world and I want to protect them from it. Yeah. And I just like, I don't know. What do you guys think? How do I raise girls? Give me two pieces of advice. Well, yesterday, my 18, my near 18 year old got her license. So she got the keys to Andrew's car. Wow. She got her license. She goes out and me and Andrew, last night, then she took our three girls out for ice cream and we're sitting at home like, <gasps> like, so I don't know, like, I don't know. But, and then Kathy, like grandma here, legend. Like, I don't know if it ever changes from what you we saw you do with your little girl yesterday, like on social media. I'm yeah, like, I don't know I'm if it changes, done. you know. Yeah. So, so uh, but they're the future for sure. Yeah. They are. They I'm are. thinking of you, you know, wanting whatever they want, whatever they want to do. And I guess that kind of that underside of that, they can do whatever they want, wherever they want it, is can they like in the church? Yes. Let's say they yeah. do want to do it in the church is there room is this future church like it's another 20 years because the pace of change is so fast I mean not as fast as we would like it in terms of women on boards and and you know people of color in in leadership mm -hmm. positions I mean it's so slow compared to what it should be but I guess as I look at you know my daughters I'm thinking they're they're not behind but church isn't something that would it wouldn't come first to their minds and Terms yeah, of, oh, that's a place I want to be, even though one of my daughters is on staff at a church. So I have this question. This is from the book, mm -hmm. Half the Church, and we're kind of going to start to wind to a close here because there's so much we could talk about. Whose book uh, is that, by the way? It's uh, it's called Half the Church by, uh, gosh, Carolyn Curtis James. Okay. And it's a defining book. I know that we are going to use the resource, The Whole Church, that Chris yeah. and Halita have written out of the way as part of our curriculum for Gather Voices. So super excited about that. This book is based on a book called Half the Sky, Women Hold yeah. Up mm. Half the Sky. And Half the Church is sort of the same premise. And she just asks a couple questions and I would just love to get your response mm. to this. Okay, so first question, what message does the church offer women in the 21st century? The world needs a gospel vision of relationships between men and women. Does the Bible deliver? And second, and here's the crux, when we think about our girls coming up, you know, our current girls in this now generation, what message are we sending to the world by how we value and mobilize our own daughters? Will the whole church openly benefit from women's gifts and contributions? Or will the body of Christ attempt to fulfill a mission that dwarfs our resources without the full participation of half the church? What is it costing us when half the church's gifts go untapped? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are beautiful questions, but I think there's like eight questions. I don't know which one to respond to. I mean, I just think that these are the questions we have to wrestle with. You started by asking what vision, one of the first ones, does the Bible give? And I just think that there, I got to be so careful how I say this. Oh, man there is a way to have this conversation that doesn't honor Jesus. And it, 
in order to like see someone lifted up, someone else has to be ripped down. And I think that the, and this, this is not just about the gender conversation. This is about race. This is about anything. And, um, I know that by just trying to say this, I'm going to say it wrong and maybe be criticized for it. But I, I really believe that it is, it gives you the courage to fight for what's important and what matters quality. No, everyone made in the image of God fearfully, wonderfully made. Like it gives like a deep, deep precedent that like there is infinite value in every single human being that no one should be treated uh, discriminated against by their skin color or their gender or their um, their age or their socioeconomic status it holds that up but then it also offers like a, a like tools for the fight that are different like it's sacrifice and it's laying down and it's not a zero-sum game you know for some for more to win not everyone has you know and and i get that let me just make a caveat. I do know that if we're going to give more people opportunities, it does mean getting out of the way. So I, I'm not saying some, some people have, we have to get out of the way to make a way and um, to, to use our platform, to give other people opportunity, even to move out, to lift people up. So that's not, I'm not, I'm not saying not that, if that to be clear, there's a better set of tools for the fight. Um, and I'm just concerned that if we, we need to have this, conversation we need to do it we need to fight for this as the church but if we just take all of our cues from the way that culture is navigating conversations like this it's not it's it's not that's not the solution either so i'm not providing all the solutions here but i just i'm thinking it through what do you, does that make any sense what i'm saying what do you guys think oh love that i mean the rules of the game are so different that's such a great reminder jason i love that i mean the end goal may be the same but Oh, I love that. And I think it means sacrifice. It means getting out of the way. It means so many of those things. I'm just really concerned right now. Um, It's more um, in this specific moment, it's around race. And there's so much good awareness. There's so much good attention. So many um, injustices being acknowledged, but there is a hatred. Yeah. And then we, I don't even know how to talk about it, you know? But I just, my, I have this, this deep conviction that as the church, let's learn from forerunners and culture. I'm not against secular literature, but let's also ask the question, like all of this literature, all of this has to be vetted through the worldview of scripture and the way of Jesus. And I do think that, for example, in the early church, they were so radical. For example, when it came to single women, divorced or widowed women, they were so radical, to, literally to actually create a community that allowed for them to remain single was to it was to allow because 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 of the way land rights everything worked like the way that upholds singleness and single women that we're going to come around and protect them was so ahead of time so ahead of their time and you see the early church leading the way i don't know what it would look like for the church to lead the way in this conversation today but i would long for that with gender equality with race racial uh discrimination how could the church lead the way but the first century they did and that's all I know. And the same spirit who animated the first Christians to lead the way in the first century is still at work today. And I don't know what question I answered, but those are the thoughts that came to mind. Home run. Champion truth is one of our kind of mottos for this year. And it, it does begin and end with, I mean, obviously the way, <laughs> Jesus, the name of your church, but scripture does provide, I think, the path forward. So I'm so glad that you brought us there with that. 
Can I share a story that would be cathartic for me? Sure. I was speaking at a pastor's gathering and I closed in prayer. And uh, I started picturing my own family and my own, because um, when, when I'm with pastors, I think about them not just as pastor, but as friend, as son, as daughter, all those things. And so I was praying from that kind of imaginary place. And I said, God, for us as, as fathers, for us as husbands, this woman came up to me afterwards and she was so hurt because she just felt so unseen. And I, I didn't, even, I couldn't even calibrate. Like I didn't even know, cause I just was praying. I didn't, and I just realized that like, I'm just so aware of how much I have to grow in this area, but I'm also so grateful. She, she came very strong. She was obviously very hurt and I couldn't, I, I couldn't get to the bottom of it, but it was other people in my life afterwards that have come in such and, and listen, I'm not saying she shouldn't have done that. I'm just saying I couldn't even piece it together. But I'm just so thankful for others who've come alongside me, uh, to give me a hard word, hard to hear, have kept at it and helped me. And so Kathy and Vanessa, I'm saying to you guys, like, don't give up on me. You know, um, don't, don't rebuke me on the podcast. I'm, I don't have thick enough skin for that. But, you know, call me, email me, tell me, because I'm still such a work in progress. I look back at that moment and I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, yeah, she's totally right. Like, and, and I, I, I own the fact that I like hurt her in that moment. And there might've been other women in the room. Um, or maybe it's because of that type of thing over and over again, that there's not that many women in the room. And I own that and I want to do better. And I'm a work in progress. And uh, don't give up what you're up to, you know, both championing women, but then also including me in your world enough. Like Kathy, I've learned lots from you. Uh, I really have. I've learned so much from you. You're such a gifted encourager. Um, but you're like, also like, you know, you're a bit of a sniper rifle too. Like, you know what you're after, your strategy, yeah. there's intentionality. And I'm learning so much from you. So don't give up on me. You guys have been kind and encouraging we're doing some things, but we know we're not finished the journey personally and as an organization, as a church. And uh, so I'm so grateful for even you including me today. I feel really underqualified to be part of this conversation, but I'm grateful you included me and um, I'd like to keep working together with you. Yeah, that would be amazing. I'm going to let Vanessa close us out, but I just wanted to kind of marry a couple of words. Like you you have the word incubate for this new uh generation of leaders that you want to put in this environment that is totally meant to grow them and healthy and provide, you know, context and, and help them build their character and their confidence. And females, we, we have sort of the same word, but it's sort of cradle, like we love to cradle mm. and nurture. And so it doesn't matter to me if it's, you know, a, a man or a woman, I mean, I've got a son. And so we are just wired to nurture and cradle and grow up and raise up. And so we see you, <laughs> we see you and we honor you and everything God has called you to. And I think it's, it would be our honor to keep you cradled and nurtured in an environment that offers support and prayer. And we know just alongside with you, how much it costs yeah. costs a lot to do what you're doing. I mean, you look great. You're tanned and you know, we've got this it's summer in Vancouver, it's summer in Vancouver. So <laughs> that's great. But the cost, you know, to make, to make this kind of a choice. So we're just here to do all that um, for each other. And so Vanessa, Thank I'll you. let you sort of kind of take us home with what has been a yeah. really stunning conversation with you, Jason. 
I represent the this part of our nation in these conversations often where it's not common to want to love God in his church, right? Like on it maybe at a bit mm-hmm. more statistical mm-hmm. level, the incubator for me, like finding people that would even genuinely want to serve God vocationally in that way in the church is it's more like a surprise than a, mm. a common, you know, a common thing. So we've got that, then we've got that set, that spirit of abandonment that's kind of over something here in this province as well, right? So, but we just want to say thank you because I definitely know sometimes there's a coast-to-coast disconnect, but you are one of the leaders in our nation that doesn't make it feel like there's a disconnect. So I just mm. personally, on oh, behalf that's of so kind. our leadership here in Montreal, what you do doesn't make us, I don't know, it just, it feels very, very, um, and so does gather. And that's genuinely why I'm part of this movement is because it lifts my head up mm. and over, but very connected to what God is doing from province to province and coast mm. to coast. But thank you for what you're doing, both in your local church and your network. I think that it's, um, it's so God breathed that it's birthed at the same time. So thank mm. you, Jason. Oh, and thank you very much. Family. And to our listeners, um, for Kathy and I, we are having these conversations right now because we're so excited about launching Gather Voices, so a coaching cohort for um, for female, the female church. And what I love about this conversation today is it's a good reminder the female church means the female church will be in the marketplace, who will be on those mountains of influence, mm-hmm. those spheres everywhere, both inside um, the church and in every other sphere. So we're really excited about launching that in summer. There'll be more details later about that. And I get to be part of that, right, Kathy? That's the, that's what I'm part. I'm cannot wait. It's oh, going to be so awesome. much fun. So um, we're so honored that you would and glad that you would. And to use the, uh, the whole church as a reference guide is going to be amazing in that resource. So, so to every listener, stay tuned. But Jason, to the females listening, is there something you would say to them and to the males that are going to listen to mm. this? Is there just something you would love to end? What you said was incredible, but just now to the listener themselves. I'm thinking of a quote. I'm going to look it up. It's worth waiting. It's a quote from Martin Luther King. And he may or may not have been quoting someone else, but um, he said that uh, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And uh, I think that hope is just wishful thinking unless you know the one who holds and shapes the future. And so I think there's great reason to hope that there are great days ahead, that God's on the move and his kingdom is coming and it's at hand. And that's a tension we live in. We mourn that we don't see the fullness of his kingdom, but it's in breaking and there are signs of it all over. There's even signs of it in this conversation, but there is also great reason to mourn and to be broken. And that can sometimes even feel like anger and frustration, mm-hmm. uh, but to not give up hope. And I just feel like that's, that's what's on my heart for Melissa. It's like, there's such great reason to hope God's on the move. He is building his church and bringing his kingdom to come. And um, so have hope. I just feel like a dance party after that. <laughs> it's just like, yes, God is on the move. It just gets, gets me so excited. I've been reading so much in Ephesians where, you know, the encouragement is just that, wow, you haven't even seen what he 
could do, you know, it's not even in your imagination. And so I hang on to that hope because everything I come up with is like, nah, that's not a great idea. But it's like, I haven't even seen what God can still do, you know? And so if Canada can lead the way, that would be awesome. That would be so you know, awesome. You and Paul praise, Paul praise, I don't know what letter it is, the apostle Paul, he goes, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. I just think it's like, like that if we ran into God, we'd be like, wow, he's full of hope. And I've just been like, man, I just want my imagination to be filled with that, that vision. Cause when I'm on social media and right now I feel really hopeless, it's just not true. Like that picture of the world is not true. It's not what's happening. There is great injustice. There is great brokenness, but it's like that, that moment where you go through your thread or read the news that is curated and driven by fear. And we have to figure out as followers of Jesus, brothers and sisters, to like lift our eyes out of that noise and to see beauty and to acknowledge injustice and brokenness. But I think if we could see him, we'd be like, oh, he's full of hope about this. So I've got great reason to hope. And that hope lets you rest at night and then wake up for the fight. And that's what we need right now is we need to fight. Like there's a fight. It's a good fight. We also really need to rest, you know, that God's on the move and we can sleep on it. And so I just feel like people are tired. They're discouraged. There's not hope. And it's like, you can rest because he's got in control and you can wake up and join the fight because the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice. It's long, but it bends towards justice. Hmm. A great final word. If I know that you're up and fighting, I'm there with you. Same with <laughs> Vanessa. So we're doing it together. Thanks so much, Jason. My pleasure. Thank you. So that was a great conversation. I hope you agree between Vanessa, who is a church planter herself, Jason, who's very much about the church, and you'll hear his why, why he came and why he stays and what he's all about now in making sure that the church of the future is in good stead with the next generation of leaders through who they're bringing up through the CCLN incubator for those leaders. He's also going to be a guest equipper for Gather Voices. We are all about the female voice in the nation, female presence in the nation. We want to raise those girls up in this moment to not only teach and communicate well, but to know their why, their sense of calling and be equipped by world-class coaches. Jason is one of those, not only for his work on the Alpha Film series, but in all of the ways that he stewards his platform and not only stewards it, but is leveraging it to build the kingdom of God in Canada and globally. So we're so excited that you joined us today. Please download this, subscribe to our podcast, share it with your friends, uh, pass it on to males and females alike, and we'll see you next time. We trust that this conversation you were just a part of today on our podcast would really empower you in your sphere of influence to continue to strengthen your gorgeous, brilliant, phenomenal feminine voice and strength that you have to offer your spheres of influence. We are so excited about launching Gather Voices coaching cohort for summer all the way through to the rest of 2021 to really continue to coach and champion the female voice in the church and across our nation of Canada. Why don't you consider jumping on our wait list, looking at the information, praying into whether this is your time to take the next step and really continue to grow with your 
revelation that you beautiful woman of God have an opportunity to use your voice for the sake of the kingdom in new ways in new arenas maybe for the first time or maybe it's whole new levels of influence that you are believing God is entrusting you with in this season seriously girls revival will only happen when the female church awakens to usher in humanity's welcome home with your voice and your presence so why don't you look at stepping into investing into this space called gather voices with us for a six-month journey phenomenal guests uh, coaches are coming on guest equippers you're going to meet incredible girls across our nation online from wherever you are so that all different parts of this nation can be impacted with your voice consider joining us jump on to gatherwomen.com and have a look at all that is coming up in this movement that serves you and the call of god in your life